First of all, I can't tell you what a pleasure and a blessing it is to be here in front of you today. Uh, Mr. Wade said I got out in 2012, but actually I went in in 2012, and I came out March the 15th of 2015. I've been the halfway house since then, and I just got released to go home this past Wednesday. So how good. So when you talk about how good God is and how great God is, I can talk about him all day long. When you tell me that my God never sleeps, I can tell you about that all day long. When you tell me about a God that says you can do all things through him, I can talk about that all day long. But this morning, I want to talk to you about a few other things. First of all, this morning is about you. You are out going to the prisons, talking to men and women about their struggles and their time. And let me tell you about a perspective that I don't know if you understand. You coming means everything to those of us who have been there. When you come in, you're a breath of fresh air. You're a piece of the outside world that allows us to breathe, allows us to dream, and think about that day when we go home. I want you to understand that when you come in there, I want you to do me a favor. Challenge the men and women to change one thing about themselves, and everything else will fall in order. Let me tell you about Brandon and what got Brandon in trouble. Brandon decided that he wanted to lead his own life without God. And chaos came into my life. I worked for Shelby County government. I was the auctioneer for delinquent tax properties in this city. I had the opportunity and the privilege of being able to talk to the people of this city about how to protect their homes and save their homes. And Brandon got greedy. And Brandon started fixing the books. And Brandon got to a point in his life where enough was enough because God kept talking to me, Brandon, I'm tired of you. You're disobeying my word. I asked two things of my children, God said. He says, honor and obedience. He said, Brandon, time is up. I walked in my office, cleaned out my desk, dropped the keys on my boss's desk and said, sir, I'm sorry. I've made some terrible mistakes with my life and I've destroyed many others in the process. I left there and went to my father and talked to him and apologized to him profusely about what was coming down the road. But one thing my father said, he said, son, I'm disappointed in you, but one thing is very, very important, which you understand this. And I said, what's that, sir? He said, I loved you first. Isn't that power in that? This power in a father that will stand regardless of the mistake his child makes and says, you know what? We're going to get through this. And we did. Every week, my mother and father came to see me. On their 50-year anniversary, the golden time of their lives, instead of being at home doing great things, they're with my raggedy tail sitting in prison, hugging me and talking to me. It took a year before my parents decided they'd buy me a drink or anything to have in visitation. Everybody else eating sandwiches and drinking Cokes and having a good time. My dad said, I'm not buying you nothing until I see change. <laughs> so one year had gone by, and he came in, and he pulled out his pocket. He said, Brand? I said, yes, sir. He said, it's time to eat. I said, you better stop. <laughs> so we got up and walked to the machine, and I picked out a brown sugar Pop-Tart. That's my favorite. 
And every time from then on when he came, that's all I'd ask for. I'd spend $1. And I'd eat that Pop-Tart, and I'd stand there and go, you know what? God is good. I have a grandson. He's a joy of my life. Rylan is now turning five years old this summer. So he was coming to see me when he was two, three, and four. And Rylan and I would go get what? A Pop-Tart. And we'd eat a Pop-Tart together. He'd say, gee, Paul, when you coming home? And I said, Rylan, soon. He said, Rylan don't understand what soon is. Let's go now. Now. I said, in time, son, in time. So that's the story about Brandon. I'm home now. I'm doing my best to give back to those. In prison, I was the education clerk at the federal camp here in Millington. I taught classes from financial management to conflict resolution, to win the life, to how to be a parent, to CDL. I've never driven a truck in my life. But I grabbed that handbook for that CDL, and I read it three or four times. And I told the unit manager, I said, sir, give me the room and get out of my way. I got things to teach young men so they can go home and do something with their lives. Because there's nothing here for us. So let me help them. The forklift test, I took it and flunked it about five times. But when I passed it, I started teaching it. And I said, I'm going to do this. Ladies and gentlemen, there's a group of individuals at these prisons, Hispanics, whites, blacks. There has to be a way to connect all of them together in one realm. That's God. And we have to find a way to make them understand that, that without him, you have nothing. With that being said, if you have your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 12, verse 49. I'll read to you. It says, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. That is us. That's every day. James 4, 17 says what? Anyone then who knows the good that he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. I know what I ought to do. I know what I'm here to do. I know what God has ordained me to do, and by God, I'm going to do it for him, for my heavenly father and for my earthly father, because they are everything to me. Truth is absolute and defined by a man's viewpoint and knowledge on the matter at hand. Truth is a powerful entity in you to benefit others. Your ability to use truth shows reasoning and recognition ushered in complete clarity. Just as the clock in Greenwich, England, keeps official time, it doesn't adjust itself to the bachelor buyer because truth corrects all time, all of life, and all the family. Mandela, Mandela said one day, he said, for to be free is not merely to cast off one's chains but to live in a way that respects and enhances the freedom of others. Freedom is exquisite. Your many acts of kindness to people outside the realm of your authority shows that you are promoting responsibility and justice in its own distinct way. And I thank you for that. I thank you for all that you do. 1 Timothy 4, 3, 13 through 16 says, Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you. Be absorbed in them so that your progress will be evident to all those. Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Preserve in these things, for if you do so, you will also ensure salvation for yourself 
as well as those who hear you. How true is that for us? Leaders, leaders. True leaders guide with an eagerness and a commitment that comes from knowing that he or she is doing God's will. They lead with a heart that sincerely cares for the well-being of those whom they serve. True leaders are humble, serving-centered, and speak as a voice for the voiceless. That's our children. True leaders strive to protect and preserve the family, not leading the family astray. God calls leaders as shepherds of the flock because sheep are prone to wonder and become vulnerable to attack. The shepherd serves as the beacon for the sheep. To follow is not to go astray. True leaders serve as role models, illustrating in their daily lives that what they do, they teach. This enables the family not to hear just their words, but to see the words put into actions. That's what you're doing. There's an unfathomable reason for my message this morning. Today, in 2015, the world is still wrestling with a racial and gender achievement gap in education. The statistics are very troubling as we absorb the fact that the high percentage of minorities being incarcerated is increasing. Substance abuse is persuasive. Unemployment is on the rise. And fatherless homes are the norm and not the exception. Education is still the answer to these dilemmas. Education is still the key which can open doors to our dreams and build strong families again. If we vow to help each other achieve our dreams by helping our fellow man through teaching, encouraging, and breathing hope to the souls of each other, and by being strong shepherds, we must be available to our homes personally, extended families, as well as our communities. We must vow to share our knowledge we must teach, we must encourage within and outside of our homes. In our society, as we experience unfairness, racism, and the stigma of being an ex-felon in this world, how can we answer these questions? First, we ask you the simple opportunity to show you that we have the knowledge, the loyalty, the determination, the desire, the willingness to learn and be a part of the men who call themselves leaders that God ordained us to be. We desire to be judged by, not by all others, and not by mandated rules, but by God's rule. God rules reign supreme. The mission of revitalizing and transforming communities starts with an individual and the foundational truth. As a man thinks, he becomes. One's behavior is controlled by one's thoughts. A shepherd leads his sheep with positive thoughts so that he and his sheep remain on the path of truth. This transforms the entire flock and we transform our homes and communities, remembering that God's alignment always works if we open our hearts and arms and accept it. That includes all of his children, whether we're 5 to 18 or 18 to 100. We're still children of God. We still fall short, and he'll be picked up. As Psalms 128 tells us, we must glorify God through the advancement of his kingdom by exhibiting responsibility and leadership in our personal, family, church, and community life. We must set the past aside. Embrace the future in everything you do. Be an example to do what is good. Have integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned. Therefore, those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about you. That's Titus 2, 7 through 8. As we strive to be leaders in our families, our churches, our schools, and communities, we must never be afraid to be a fighter. We must fight against institutionalized racism within and without. 
We must form bonds of love with our fellow neighbors. We must admonish our young men to hold up their heads and their pants. We must teach our youth to speak correctly, give a firm handshake, look others in the eye as we communicate with them, smile as we speak, assist the elderly and disabled, never litter your own neighborhood, don't destroy what's yours. This is what leaders do. It's never too late to start. Leave no child behind. Grab the child, talk to that child, express to that child what it is he or she needs to do. He's looking for guidance. She's looking for guidance, even as adults. Sometimes we have to stop and look back over our shoulder and make sure they haven't forgotten anyone. It takes one to grab one to pull one, right? So make sure we do that. Through grace, a man has the wisdom of Christ to guide his children in the decisions of life, the love of Christ to direct his children into what is highest and best. He has the character of Christ to be an example to his children and to help them understand what is of importance and value. It is a man's spiritual heritage that will help his children understand and appreciate the life he has lived, the faith that he has held, and the hope that he has carried in his heart for his family. A man will find new paths for his feet to follow, new words for his lips to speak, new sights for his eyes to see, new truth for his ears to hear, and new work for my God's hands to do. There are a few things that stuck with me in prison that I wanted to share with you that helped me. And those of you who've been there, you know on those nights and it's 2 o'clock in the morning and you're thinking about home. And you turn to that brick wall and you look around and someone sitting beside you, it's only God himself, saying, are you ready to talk? I said, yes, sir. Let's talk. Because I'm going to clean up Brandon before I send you home, Brandon. I'm going to get you right. Hope is an olive leaf, evidence of dry land after a flood, proof to the dreamer that dreaming is worth the risk. Hope is a seed God plants in our hearts to remind us there are better days and nights ahead. And my favorite one is this personal one, and I'm going to end. You and I are all number one draft picks. You understand? We are all number one draft picks. Status quo is failure, and failure is unacceptable. I will not fail myself again. I will not fail my father. I will not fail my children. I will not, and I pray that as you do your due diligence, as you minister and talk to young men and women, express to them about how great your God is. Teach them financial stability, please. That is the one thing they need that I haven't heard too much about yet, financial stability. Teach a man how to buy his first house. Teach a man how to get life insurance, health insurance. Teach a man how to take his child to the PTA meetings, not the wife, the husband. Teach him how to do a, be a room dad. Don't make promises you can't keep to children. They don't forget anything. Don't do it. You'll find yourself in a bad spot. When your child says, talk, talk. When your wife says it's 2 o'clock in the morning and I want to talk to you, you better wake up. <laughs> if she wants Whataburger at 4 o'clock in the morning, you better get in the car and go. 
Gentlemen, I'm going to say this and I'm going to be quiet. If you're married, if your wife's list of things is longer than yours, you need to stop and regroup and make sure that your list outrides hers. I lost a wife of 23 years because of neglect. I'm going to say this. The next wife, whoever the God puts in my face and puts in my way, has no idea what she's about to get. 